Hello friends, I'm excited to share that I have recently discovered and fallen in love with Gilded Spoon, high-end multiple course meals at home with only 15 minutes of effort. I met the founder, Melissa, about probably three, four months ago and was introduced to her amazing service. I've never was super sold on these pre-made meals. They either showed up not fresh, they either didn't have the ingredients I want, I just didn't love the experience. When I met Gilded Spoon and I was had the privilege and opportunity to try her vineyard chicken and her butternut squash, I fell in love with it on multiple fronts, mainly because it showed up frozen. So I didn't have to worry about whether I was going to eat it today or not, or whether it was going to go stale sitting in the fridge. As long as I took it out the day before, let it thaw, boom, I was in business. And it lets you feel like a rock star chef. I put this meal together in probably 15, 20 minutes, maybe half an hour if you kind of took all the time it took to just kind of put it, plate it, make it, you know, servable. And they knocked it out of the park. The flavors were amazing. The directions were easy to follow. It was serving a quality meal with the convenience of almost having it, basically having it delivered to your door. So if you love quote unquote cooking without really being a cook, like you get to be in the kitchen, you get to put things together, you get to serve the meal and bring joy to your friends and family, and feel good about it. This is the service for you. So this is our first promotion or cross promotion where we've done with something where we actually provided a discount. So I reached out to Melissa and I said, hey, I want to promote this. We did an episode on the show, which you can listen to as well as she gave us 5% off for your first order. So check it out. Go to her website at gildedspoon.com. Go through, put your order together. Uh, this is for first-time purchases. So figure out what you need and then type in Tyler5 and you'll get 5% off. It's a small amount, but I think it's a high value in terms of the experience you're going to get. And if it gives you that little push to give it a try, I couldn't recommend it higher. So check out gildedspoon.com. I love the vineyard chicken. I love the Cabernet steak with polenta. I really like guilty pleasure. It's got, everybody knows maple butternut squash. It's got maple syrup in it. I'm sold. But there are some fantastic options here, especially with the holidays and just everybody being super busy. Give this a go. I think you're going to love it. Gildaspoon.com. Type in Tyler5 and you're in business. Hello and welcome to Collisions YYC. I'm your host Tyler Chisholm, and I'm excited to today. We're diving in a little bit. We're gonna we're gonna tell a really cool story, a career transition, a pivot story, and I'm gonna get the word pivot out of the way right away. Because let's be honest, in the last three years, it might be the most overused word, but I think also for good reason. So with that, I'm gonna. Uh, introduce Melissa to the show. Melissa Lamotte. Did I say your last name correctly? I should have double-checked before we got going. Oh, yeah, yeah. Or Melissa Lamotte. Lamotte. Okay, thank you. I wanted to double-check and I did it. Oh, podcast host fail. I respond to both. Thank you. (laughs) Perfect. I appreciate appreciate your graciousness. So good to have you on the show. We met as as so many people, and I think everyone who listens gets tired of me telling the story. I know someone who knew you that said, "Hey, you guys should meet." We had a quick coffee. I was flattered to find out you were a fan of the show, which that was super. That was super great. So made me make me feel a little special there. But I was very excited to find out not only about the business you're running now, but kind of how you ended up running it. So let's 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 jump in the little pitch elevator. Um, the Gilded Spoon. So that's your current business. And I say current because you 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 have a storied past of how you arrived here, which we'll chat about a little bit. But tell us a little bit, what is Gilded Spoon? Let's go from there. <laughs> yeah, thanks. So Gilded Spoon is a Calgary-based company that creates and delivers gourmet, easy-to-cook frozen meal kits right to your door. So our premise is to make your life easy with delicious meals that are ready in a pinch. And uh, you can enjoy everything else in life that way. So, yeah. Oh, I love it. 
free you up to still have delicious and and high quality food. I'm going to say that because I've experienced some of your food and it was wow. amazing. And <laughs> it felt like it was from a from a market. Let's put on our business hats for a second. If you look at it out there, it feels like a bit of a saturated world out there. We got the skip the dishes and we got all those delivery services that mm -hmm. are facilitating like the existing restaurants. Then we've got a lot of this pre-made, which I remember years ago in the fitness industry, that was kind of a new thing maybe 10 years ago, it seemed where people were pre-ordering their healthy fitness meals and getting them delivered. And I forget all the different names. It seems like companies have come and gone. So when you looked at that market and you know we'll get into your own passions and why you believe in it but from a business person's perspective what was it about this market that you said hey there's a gap or there's a need to fill and i'm going to do that mm -hmm. well a couple of things um number one i, I didn't think they tasted that great um <laughs> i agree <laughs> no offense to all the other you know, respectable entrepreneurs who started it but honestly it just it didn't resonate with me um, it didn't taste high quality or just feel like it was really um, as great as it could have been. Um, I think there was a gap too, just really working with local uh, growers and other businesses as well, really celebrating that. Um, and then also just the convenience. So it's hard to make convenient, healthy, great food. And I didn't think there was a lot on the market that could really hit that mark. Um, you know, some kind of over-advertised, you know, it takes like 30 minutes to make, but then after washing, chopping, doing all that, you're just two hours in, kind of frustrated or um, not that exciting. I guess, not to knock them, um, I think there's a lot of great solutions out there, but I just felt there was a gap on uh, really making easy, delicious, quick to prepare foods that, you know, even were zero waste, didn't have a lot of packaging, um, all those kind of things. And the other spin was freezable. So they could sit in your freezer until you're ready with a quick thaw, you could cook it. Um, that's actually a unique spin on Gilded Spoon is our kits all arrive frozen to start. So you're not actually married to anything going bad in your fridge. Uh, very easy, quick to thaw and also very easy and quick to cook. You do that final cook and they're delicious. You can't beat something that came hot out of the oven or just off the stove. It's way different than just a reheated uh, kind of leftover. So mm, I, yeah. completely, I completely agree. So you said you you said some 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 buzzwords as we're putting together our value proposition. You said convenient. You said healthy. You know, frozen. Mm -hmm. You mm -hmm. said the word great, great food. Define great. What what? How would you, from your perspective, because you're the one with the mic right now, define what like when you think of great food? What does that mean for you? Oh, okay. Well, yes, and I'm saying great over good um, because mm -hmm. I think that is possible. Uh, it has to be delicious. Something that you appreciate eating. I don't want it to be something just for survival, right? Just eating it mm. so that you don't die of, you know, malnutrition. Well, maybe malnutrition, but... <laughs> no, no, I get it. F um, food, food as fuel is very different than food as joy or yeah. food as pleasure. Like they are different categories for sure. I used yeah, to be in the fitness yeah. industry where food as fuel was a thing, but as I've gotten older, I don't look at food that same way anymore, mm -hmm. but we'll get to that. <laughs> yeah. So, so the other part is um, healthy whole foods. So really a focus on, you know, whole grains, um, but making them delicious because I think that's where we really struggle is creating healthy food that is delicious, um, including balanced meals with lots of vegetables, produce, uh, you know, focus on all the food groups uh, in a good way from proteins, carbs. And again, with a lot of carbs, we do focus on more whole grain type carbs. Uh, and yeah, delicious produce, um, a well-balanced meal, a lot of color, all those sort of things we hear about and read about maybe in like a health magazine. But I really believe it is achievable if you know how to create something um, good, you can you can really knock it out of the park. And that's where using some of my background, which I know you're going to unpack today, um, <laughs> I chose to use that skill to um, 
actually make them great. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I thank you for um, defining yeah. great. I would agree with a lot of that definition, but I, you know, great is one of those words that kind of it's lost language. Oh, it's great. It's great. Oh, so great. What do we, what do you mm. mean by great? What do I mean by great? So thank you for defining that for our, for our audience. And so I'll be honest, I'm a professional creeper. I don't know if you know this. I don't mean outside your house kind of creeping. I mean, <laughs> online, I mean, online, I want to make it less weird, something less weird, but I'm on your LinkedIn profile right now, which we joked about mm. is not currently updated, which I'm not giving you a hard time about that. <laughs> but, and when I look at this background, that's what got me really excited about, or one of the many things that got me excited about chatting with you is the pivot, because I don't see professional chef, cook, or entrepreneur or small business owner in here. I see Suncor, I see executive director, I see co-founder, managing partner. I see a very, I, I would, I'm going to over, over, oversimplify for the sake of this, a very traditional business, you know, business intelligence management, enterprise content management. None of the, all of these things are maybe contributing factors to being a successful entrepreneur, but I don't see cook in here. I don't see chef in here anywhere. So tell us a little bit about even the pivot. How long has Gilded Spoon been, been around? Let's start with that. Yeah, and you're calling me out. I will update my LinkedIn here shortly after this interview. <laughs> Friendly, between friends, between friends. That's different. I know. Yeah, we always need that push from people, right? Um, yeah. It's going to be <laughs> well, done in like five minutes before we even finish this episode. Hilarious. Oh, yeah, right? <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, Gilded Spoon is relatively new. It's a startup. It's about 18 months old. Um, it was officially launched in 2021. Um, but it was, a, I guess, an idea that had been something I was thinking about for several years. I just didn't make that that push. Um, yeah, but yeah, I guess I did have a unique background that, um, I think was nice. It, it gives you almost some unique skills, you know, kind of like a Swiss army knife a little bit. Um, you can use different backgrounds, but also, um, you know, you meet great people too. Um, great resources, great, all kinds of things. And I think when the timing's right, although people always feel it never is, when you make that jump, um, I think, I think it's really nice. You can, You've acquired a lot of ingredients in life. I appreciate and, uh, it. And working with companies like Petro Canada, like yeah, like business, like there's some significant Suncor, some real, some some significantly, mm. you know, large organizations. How you know, let's just be blunt here for people listening. How scary was it to make that jump? Because there's always a joke out there. There's being entrepreneurial, and then there's actually being an entrepreneur. They're they're, they're kind of different. Like one's a, <laughs> one's a vibe and one's a feeling. The other one is like. Oh shit! I have to. I have payroll. I have costs. I have overhead. I have things mm -hmm. to survive. Talk to us a little bit about that pivot. Was that something for you that when it was time, it was time, or or was it like to be just human about this? Was it scary as hell? It was both. All okay. of the above. Okay. Um, right on. Yeah, I think uh, you know it's never easy for anyone to make a massive change in life. And I mean, I kind of joke with some people who ask the same question. Yeah, let's just take one of the most stable. Um, you know, careers you've had and, and, and just, you know, it feels like you threw it out the window to like start You blew it up and you threw a grenade in it oh, <laughs> to see what happened. Right? Yeah. Did your parents yeah, call exactly. you? Did anyone try to stage an, inter an intervention <laughs> in your life because they were concerned about maybe your mental health that you were going down a, down an entrepreneur road, which is a very scary word up to even just a few That's years so ago? Funny. You know, what's funny is no one was surprised when I finally did it. If anything, I think they're all Finally, she's doing this. Oh, that's because, awesome. Okay, right on. They yeah, all knew. They knew yeah. before. They knew before you did, did they? <laughs> I'll tell you. You know, uh, yeah. Friends and family were part of that push off that cliff. I'll, but you know, obviously, I made that final decision to jump. But, of course. Um, I'm very thankful for you know the the encouragement from people, um, and uh, yeah, I haven't looked back. I mean, I, I love I love what I'm doing right now so much, and uh, couldn't be more excited about this. So yeah, that's awesome. Was there was there ever any moments of you know no doubt? I would be careful with the word doubt. But was there any moments of like, oh, wow, okay, I'm a month in, I'm three months in, whoo, I underestimated, or or was it once you committed, you were committed? 
Oh, uh, you know, it's got to be both. Um, I think one of the things, so I'm really lucky I've got some amazing mentors uh, starting up with this. Back to People, those ingredients that you put together over the years. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, having someone you can commiserate with who's maybe been there, done that. Um, I think, uh, yeah, it, it was, um, I guess you kind of think about where things go great, where things go bad. Nothing is smooth. It, it's been a roller coaster. That's really the best way I could describe it. I mean, especially launching in the middle of a pandemic. Um, but even any business, I mean, it, I think it would be foolish to say uh, it's a smooth run. You hear about these companies that just rocket to fame and it seems like it's overnight and they're instantly successful. And that's not the case. I think there's some very scary stats out there for every startups. You know, I can't, don't quote me, but it's a very small fraction that actually succeeds. Um, but, you know, something one of my mentors said was um, they give up too soon. Um, yeah, a really, uh, so this one mentor I'm thinking of, um, he's a now a retired, um, I guess, venture capitalist. And that's totally just downplaying all the things he's done in his career. But um, that was one of the first things he, he reminded me of is they give up too soon. And by that, I mean, you know, a lot of companies take at least a decade before they're finally in that, that level where you hear about them or understand. And it's nice to know that because you start to realize, okay, this is for the long term, don't give up. Um, I think, you know, it's it's like I created another child. It is, right? You worry about it, you think about it all the time. You mm -hmm. you mean, at least try to get it to to stay alive until it's maybe 18. I don't know if I'll, <laughs> 18 years no, old. No, I, 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 I appreciate that metaphor. And I, I like yeah, what you said about, so, you know, I call it, you know, I, I'm going to loosely call it the social media effect, that everything gets presented more shiny than it often really is. And entrepreneurship oh, yeah. right now, I think to the detriment of a lot of people, like, oh, I'm not, I've been doing this for three months and I'm not already on the cover of Forbes. I must be failing because that's what everyone else yeah. is doing. But it's not what everyone else is doing at all. <laughs> it's actually quite oh, messy. Yeah. And it does take, I, I really, I, there's often that right when it's the darkest or right when you think things are coming apart is when they're about to move to like jump to that next level. But that's where that 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 grit and that staying power is really required. Uh, yeah, it really is an iceberg, right? I mean, you only see the tip of it. and The shiny bits, uh, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of people are more willing to talk about the wins than the losses. It's like, you know, the person who says, yeah, I won so much money at the casino last night. It's like, well, how many <laughs> They don't tell you about you all those do? other trips. I know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, a hundred percent. If I think about everyone I know, they're all just making so much money in the markets and on crypto. But yet, I don't know if that's what's oh, really yeah. going on. <laughs> and then you get exactly. FOMO. And then, so why food? So I look at your background. Like, data analyst, developer, hugely diverse background, all very technical. But then when you decided to make the entrepreneurial jump, it's not just the jump of, ooh, don't have the safety net, I don't have the the, the comfort of the, of the corporate paycheck, let's just be blunt what that is. But you chose to go into food, which is notoriously a tough a tough business as well for anyone who knows it, whether mm -hmm. it's a restaurant business or whatever the case may be, margins are tight and and there's so many variables. Is it was it was that just because it was so close to your heart in terms of back to great back to your definition of great food? Yeah, I think uh, so. You know, really, the origins of this started. Um, my gosh, I don't even know how to. Well, I, I know you'll help me guide this story because it <laughs> no, feels okay. like it's all over the map. But just to jump to why food, um, this was an idea I had for some time, uh, and I, I love how food creates connections, memories. I think too often we see it as something that's just survival. I mean, let's look at how many times we eat a week. That's 21 meals on average, right? From breakfast, lunch, dinner, times seven, um, three times, right? That's 20 time, 21 times you can think of having a problem 
or a really great opportunity every single day. Oh, I um, like that. I me, like 21 problems or 21 right? opportunities. Yeah. I choose opportunities. Okay, let's keep going. Exactly, right? Yeah. Cuz a lot <laughs> it's of like people you choose your own this, adventure, you know, I choose opportunity. Yeah. Exactly. And this is where this is where I get really excited. I'm thinking about other people here. Um, you know, yeah, we need food for health, you know, maintain that physical side of of things and I you know, I've obviously thought about that with the dishes we have. But the other thing is the mental side. Um, Food is what really builds memories and connections with people, right? I mean, my favorite question to ask someone is, what's your favorite dish? What's your favorite food? And it never is just the dish. It comes with a memory. You know, some moment with family and friends or a trip. Like, um, I was at a function last week, and um, a, a friend of mine was trying this one dish. And you could just see his his. He just was taken away for a minute. And I said, what's going on? He said, Where did you go? Where did you go my... to that? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, tell me more. And he told me about a family trip he took to uh, Brazil. And I, it was just the funniest thing to see his eyes light up. And even this weekend, I mean, I could go on and on, but it was so fun. We uh, met up with some some friends and they serve fondue. And I was like, whoa, that's a really great choice for a dinner party. And, you know, um, one of the hosts said, yeah, I used to make it all the time with my dad. This is this is like, this is it. So it, it's, it's good food, like great. It can be good or or great, but it comes with something special. And well, it's a good quality food travel. becomes great when you add the experience around it. If we're just playing with yeah. words, right? And because again, totally. you think of smell and, and taste, they're so powerful in triggering mm-hmm. us. A certain smell of a certain food, you're instantly at your grandmother's house, you're instantly at a family dinner, oh or you're gosh, instantly yeah. at a resort or wherever the case may be. You know, and the smell yeah. being so powerful and such a huge part of the, the the flavor experience is what the smell and the trigger, it takes you right back. It's like hearing that song. Yeah. Or, it's amazing how many anchors we create and how much food. I, I love about that question of, you know, what's your favorite dish? Or, you know, almost what's your favorite experience around food that you, oh, wow, I went to this huge thing and this happened. And it, it, mm. I love the 21 possible possibilities versus 21 problems to solve. Oh, I need to eat. Oh God, I can't just yes, don't totally. have time. And it tends to be yeah. this, this burden, this burdensome thing where, you know, I, something's unique that's happened. You and I shared about this over coffee. My wife and I have dinner together every night. That is from COVID. Mm-hmm. I grew up mm-hmm. in an environment where unless it was like really, I grew up on a farm. So meals were, were a big thing and it was an eating was a big thing because you're outside all the time working. So you always, you need food, you need lunch and you need dinner. But whenever there wasn't something going on that detracted from it work-wise uh, or harvest season or all the things that happened on the farm, sitting down as a family for dinner was just the way it was. But my wife and I were just so busy and we're running, kind of living our own lives. But COVID kind of brought that together. And I'm you know, happy to say that you know, COVID left me with some positive habits. That's certainly one of them. We do that every night now. And it's great. We play cards, we chat, we catch up on the day. Like It is mm-hmm. such an anchor. And it went from like, oh, I just need something to eat because it's six and I'm hungry to like, oh, what am I making for dinner now? It's completely changed my whole experience around the end of my day. Yeah, so it's, it's actually really important, right? From a mental health side, um, it, it creates really good connections with those you're around. And even, you know, like you said, growing up too, um, for those who have families, you know, especially young kids, you get caught up in having to rush from one thing to the next every single day. And obviously the first thing that's going to suffer is meal times. And so you're not having that chance to connect with people uh, in your own household when this is that opportunity. Um, you know, back when I uh, lived and worked in New York, which I know you're going to probably get to hear <laughs> some of your questions. Well, it is a so. pinnacle part of the story because that's where literally yeah. the, this, this, the, 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 you got to come out of your, um, go yeah. into your into your cocoon and then come out as a different butterfly on the other side. <laughs> for sure. Well, I, I was just thinking of this one family, a good friend of mine was a private chef for them and they could never find time to meet as a family for dinner. So they hired her to come in and prepare great breakfast every morning for them and their two kids. So as you know, they found it too. And I admired them for thinking about that too. So 
again, yeah, I think we need to look at mealtimes as an opportunity. I know it happens so frequently, it's really easy to take it for granted, but, you know, don't throw those times away. Not only, you know, is it good to, you know, nourish your body, but it's it's an opportunity to really just spend time with people and, and create great memories. So, yeah, yeah that's what gets me excited about this. Well, for, and when you all. and I chatted, though, we got to that really quickly. Uh, it's also about removing the barrier. Because when you talk about problem mm -hmm. or opportunity, the real problem of I don't have time and I don't know how, those are real things. And yes, I can look it up and I can go online and download a recipe or look at watch YouTube or I, don't, I guess you don't have to download anything, just watch it. Well, there's recipes coming out of your ears. It's kind of amazing. I've been getting into cooking lately. I've been cooking pies. Anyone who follows me on Instagram knows I'm big into pies. And, <laughs> and I didn't I learn it from my grandmother. So good. Uh, that, well, yes, you had, you've had a chance. That was my mm -hmm. lemon meringue. That was mm -hmm. one of my pinnacle. I did blueberry amazing. this weekend, which was good, but the lemon meringue was so good. And it was, it felt yeah. like more of an, it also felt like a sense of accomplishment because for everyone who told me their first lemon meringue was a disaster, it might actually worked out. So I felt pretty, I felt pretty like I nailed it, but I didn't learn it from my grandmother. I didn't learn it from my mom. I sure they all made pies, but I wasn't where I was at at the time. And now I can just go online and, but I've been also taking the time and carving it out because it is a fair commitment. Baking doesn't happen by accident. What I love about what you do is you're removing some of the barriers. You're taking away the need for some type of, I don't have to be a chef. I don't have to be quote unquote a cook to have good or great meals. And also I love the ability of like, I can just buy it, put it in the freezer. I can take it out that morning. It'll thaw or the night before, leave it in the fridge. And when I get home, that barrier of like, oh no, I'm now caught in this, I don't know what to make. So oftentimes is when we don't make something or we make bad choices. Like from a health perspective, you grab what's easy and fast, which is often not good. But what I love about your system, and I do love the frozen, is that you're not this, like, there's, I've heard a lot of people that have done the pre-made meals, and they end up getting waste, and then they get frustrated because they feel like mm -hmm. they're spending for stuff they're throwing out, and that nobody likes that. Especially these days with the price of food, you want to be very, very skilled with your food purchasing yes. and very deliberate about it. But that ability to remove the quote-unquote problem of, oh, shit, I don't know, and I'm not prepared, that's got to be a huge factor in the value proposition that when you think about who your ideal customer profile is, is just solving that problem. So was that a big factor when you did, like, who your ICP was? Yeah, well, and actually, you know, I was my first customer, basically. <laughs> nice, I like it, um, yeah. You know, yeah, when I when I am... Um, I mean, we all we all have busy lives, no matter what. You're gonna fi find something to fill your time with, and um, you know, after I had this opportunity to get really really good at um, at the food side, um, I started thinking, well, I'm we're busy. We've got so much going on. How the heck do we make meal times work? And that's that was why I started creating these kits for us because it was my way of finding it, figuring out, can we have it all with this? And the answer to me was yes. If I just make these early, you know, freeze them um, with easy to cook instructions, and they're designed to be where that final cook is what makes that food exceptional. Um, you know, if I can get it to that point, uh, that's where it's gonna work and it has to be easy. And so over the years, not just for us, I started making them for friends as well and family, especially, you know, someone was say just coming out of the hospital um, immobile or just had a baby and, you know, um, not sleeping, not able to even feed themselves. I would actually start to make these for them. And so this was an idea that was probably seven years in the making before I actually took the plunge, which is actually why back to your earlier question when I did, uh, no one was surprised. I think if anything, they were like, finally, because like uh, we need these in our it, lives. I yeah, I, yeah, I had a lot of people even just in the, the year or two leading up to it, just calling like, can I just buy these from you? Like, stop over. Can I, please, can I just these. give you, take my money and give me this thing in return? Because it'll make yeah. my life so much better. <laughs> 
But also, yes, I do yeah. appreciate that there was a journey here and a lot of times, not and not for us to fall into the same trap of like, oh, you woke up one day and you started this business, that there was a buildup to it. But also, there's a kind of a mm-hmm. cool interlude. You found yourself in New York. And, you know, the way you told me the story, I'll just kind of say it back and you can kind of play with it a bit, was I had this opportunity. Like, on one hand, I could go and be a car mechanic because I hate when my car was broken down. I believe that's one thing you said to me. <laughs> or I could go pursue this learning and knowledge and go deeper on my cooking and the chef side, which clearly you've, you, you chose. Talk to us a little bit about like, so you're, mm-hmm. you're in New York and you're going to cooking school in New York, which for most people, like that's a dream just right there. I would imagine. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was, it was quite something like, um, maybe just taking it back one step when sure. I was, uh, yeah, working in, was, why don't I just take you back to the beginning and then I'll get you to, to New York if that's okay. Sure. Make a bit more sense. Um, so when I when I was um, younger and I finished high school, I went to university and I did a double major in biology and computer science. I thought I was going to go decode the human genome in you know maybe in the states somewhere. It just was really neat to me, super nerdy, um, but fun. And it was all exciting at this time. This was all new stuff. Um, and as I went through my degrees, um, I really enjoyed just the startup world and the business that was happening. It got me really excited to seeing things. And one of my first jobs was actually working as an analyst in venture capitalism, um, just for the Business Development Bank of Canada, just for a short stint. And it gave me a taste of the entrepreneurial side. And I thought, oh, that's that's really cool. Um, and when I, uh, you know, was uh, finished all of my my studies, I actually ended up working in oil and gas. Uh, in um, software automation, uh, developing software for um, various SCADA systems, which is, uh, those are basically, you know, all the gadgets that control everything from stoplights in a city to oil and gas pipelines, the valves and stuff. Um, And I love that. I eventually moved into uh, a project management, IT management job at Suncor and never looked back for quite some time there. And I loved every moment. I mean, I learned so much. And especially when you move through big companies, you get a chance to see everything from the legal department to the marketing to, you know, it was it was pretty remarkable. Um, I'm very, very thankful for all that. And I loved every second working there, but um, I had an opportunity to take a bit of a break uh, and, uh, I, I decided to um, go into culinary school. Um, at that time, I yeah, I wasn't sure. I just wanted to pivot and learn something new for a bit. I, I just, I, I like being curious. And um, yeah, I, I toyed with everything from, um, you know, mechanics, uh, car mechanic school, because I was so tired of like trying to figure out, you know, cars. But um, anyway, I'm, I'm glad I didn't. Uh, I know a great mechanic and uh, we're good <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So, so, um, anyway, I, I took a sabbatical from my oil and gas job and I, I went to New York and, uh, enrolled in culinary school. So that's how I pivoted, um, from the software side to the culinary world. Um, I went to the Institute of Culinary Education, which is right in Manhattan. It's, it's one of, um, you know, it was actually kind of neat. New York does have some of the best things in North America. Um, I don't want to say it's bigger and better than everything, but um, it's a phenomenal school. It's one of the top ranked schools uh, in North America. And um, yeah, it was amazing. Um, I, I had these goals before going in. I wasn't like an awesome chef before that, but I wanted to just crack the, you know, the shell on a lot of things like, you know, I wanted to get better at knife skills because knives scared me. I, I thought that, you know, 
if I can leave culinary school without chopping off my arm, I've won that already <laughs> to uh, learning about new ingredients. And, and, you know, the ultimate one was just getting that intuition. Like I did not know how people like my mom, who's a great, an amazing, amazing cook um, to other people. How do they just know? How do they know how much to put in something? And just that intuition. Hmm. And I was kind of doubtful that that would happen coming out of this program, but it really was. Um, I had so much fun too. You know, it's one thing, going somewhere to learn something that you really want to learn. I'm not saying when we go through our studies in the early days that it's it's not interesting, but doing something like this where it was a passion I was really wanting to, to learn, um, it made it, I don't wanna, I'm not trying to sound like um, it was simple, but it's a lot easier, put it that way, to learn something that you are at the core just so keen to learn. I don't um, think there's anyone listening that can't resonate with the concept of learning out of choice or being forced to learn. And we've all gone through yeah. school and all had different relationships. <laughs> I didn't love school because yeah. I loved the things I loved and I had no time or interest for the things I didn't, but I was forced, quote unquote, forced against my will to learn them anyways. But the amount of things <laughs> yeah. and rabbit holes that I've gone down uh, as an adult learner and anyone I know who teaches, you know, kind of more continuing ed or like... Uh, corporate corporate training, some of the instructors I know there, they're so passionate mm -hmm. about it because they said that often the people that yeah. they find in their classes all chose to be there. They self-selected, they're invested. Like, yeah. you know, it's not work if you love it kind of mindset. It's a bit of a cliche, but it's also true. So I don't think that's last on any of us here it can resonate with some class that we were forced to take over the years versus the hours we spend learning something we're excited about. <laughs> Very different. From Absolutely. And, you know, I might've been one of those weird students to them though, because a lot of other people were doing this as their first career, right? Um, mm -hmm. and yep. I was older, um, you know, I was the same age as my instructor. Sure. A mature student, mature, mature student. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes, exactly. But you know, I was that keener asking all the questions. I just remember a lot of my chef instructors were like, yes, Melissa, you know, and, <laughs> um, but you were there I, I to learn we, that you were there to learn the thing and you weren't going to leave without your questions. Totally. Asked. I love it. I love it. Mm. Yeah. And you know, I, I know it was mutual, the respect we all had. Um, and I'm actually thankful for it. Like I still keep in touch with some of my amazing chef instructors and that school was so great just for networking um and and the instructors knew me well i mean yes i was the keener who stayed after class to even help them with some of their side hustles um i volunteered at the school i i basically went in with the attitude say yes to everything with the exception of things that you know you really do have limits to so um, I would say yes to if one of them would call to say, do you want to, you know, hey, there's an opportunity at the James Beard House in New York. You should go work there. I was like, yeah, sure. I'm working with Michelin star chefs from Italy to around the world. You bet. Um, you know, to um, it led me to amazing places. Yes. Yeah, so I worked with a lot of Michelin star chefs in their restaurants, got to know some phenomenal people um, through my network. It also sprung to working even in um, food media. So I worked for various magazines like Sever to um, ones maybe most people know like Good Housekeeping, Food Network, Men's Health, Country Living. Um, and I actually worked in those test kitchens where we developed and wrote uh, a lot of recipes you still see today in some of those magazines. I'll pick them up and be like, oh my God, I think I worked on that. I might've pitched that to their editorial staff. So do all those do all those magazines have, like is there one, is there a centralized test kitchen where all that stuff gets created or is it, I've always was curious. And yeah. I like, you know, one of those things, hmm, I wonder where all these recipes come from if somebody submits them, but are they test and like, no matter, like if that's going to put it in their magazine, they're going to have created it and cooked it and understand it before they post it, before they publish it. Yeah. So, okay. so some cool. had their own, um, others mm. like, so Hearst magazine is one that owns like most magazines, you know, so everything from 
Good Housekeeping, Country Living, Men's Health, Cosmo, Oprah, Food Network, um, that's theirs. And they had a huge building. I, I, actually, that was really fun working there. It, um, every floor was one of the magazines. And we, we occupied one of the floors and we were the test kitchen. Um, most of our recipes went into Good Housekeeping because that was primarily a recipe type magazine. Yeah, but yeah. Um, it did spin off to all the other magazines. And uh, uh, my time there was wild. I met... I mean, it's weird because like Oprah had like, I can't remember which floor, you know, you'd maybe be in the elevator one day or see her down at the cafeteria, like a normal human. Um, I remember one day. <laughs> Just like were, a normal human. Absolutely. It right. was, yeah, far really from, cool. Far I, from I normal, but yeah. New York too. Yeah, it is. Yeah, so I've lived too. in LA for a while just... and you see weird things and you're like, no, those are just people living their lives. That's all good. It's not a novelty. Yeah. It's just here. It's just LA. <laughs> you kind of just respect everyone's space, right? I mean, they're humans too. And um, it was pretty fun. I, although I do remember one day I got in the elevator and it stopped at the floor uh, 17 magazine. And um, I, I couldn't, there's these these guys in it and they're busy checking their reflections out in the elevator walls. I'm like, who are these guys? <laughs> Anyways, it turns out it was, I think, One Direction or something. And I was like, ah, that's, well, that's cool. Like, yeah, no, just, have a nice life. A, like, see you guys. <laughs> maybe you, you, you weren't their target, their demographic. Um, no, I was not actually. That's why I didn't even know who they were. <laughs> I was like, who are these guys? Like, yeah, they're taking up a lot of space in this elevator. <laughs> with their with their egos along and with their yeah. social media <laughs> yeah, images. Was, yeah. So curious, how long how long were you actually uh, at the institute for? Uh, okay, so culinary school was a little over well, it was about a year, and it overlapped okay. with um, you know some internships and stuff. Cool. Uh, I was in New York for two years, um, so I'd say about half of it was school. The other half was actually just working in the industry, um, and it was a lot of fun. Like uh, like I said, just I just said yes to everything, so I mm, I, I, I got. Yeah. Um, the only thing I did say no to was I had an opportunity to be on some of the, I guess, Food Network shows where they have Chopped and um, some of the mm -hmm. newer programs Elton Brown had. And I said no to those because I, well, I'm, I'm a bit shy. I'm not sure I'm a, anyway, I, yeah, I think I would totally mess up their show and they'd regret having me on it. But also, I, I guess I don't. <laughs> I, do, I, like I the, doubt that, but I appreciate your perspective. <laughs> I, I, I hear you. <laughs> I like the good news kind of stuff. I feel like those are really as entertaining as they are. Don't get me wrong. If, if I'm channel surfing and I see one, I'll stop and watch. But I kind of like collaboration over competition, if that makes sense. Um, that's more my, well, my thing. I'm curious your view on this. Maybe I already know the answer based on what you just said. But the, 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 the way it perpetuates the toxic kitchen culture. And mm. I, you did tell me about like... That's yeah. notoriously can be a really shitty environment, like for like not positive, <laughs> lots mm -hmm. of substance abuse. Like there's lots of things that go on in kitchens for anyone who's worked in a kitchen has been mm -hmm. exposed to it. Was that something you got exposed to there? And it sounds like you even made a choice of like, you know, hey, I, I love that this gets ratings, but it's maybe not my thing. I'm going to stick in a more positive kind of vein. Is that yep. something that showed up? And like, I imagine you're in New York, so I can only think that you ran into that a ton. Oh God, yeah. I mean, <laughs> there are some stories there. <laughs> uh, well, sure. do you want to so, share one or anything that's like? Um, yeah, like I'll we're not we're not some, trying to call anybody out, but you know, sure. I think I think it's it's not a hard to well, think of, it's hard to think about this world without thinking about some of the toxicity and mm -hmm. you know I don't know I see it sometimes it's just ratings grabbing. But I've worked in I've worked in bars and and that had kitchens and it was it's crazy town back there. <laughs> yeah, you know what I will say is it really is no different than in business. It depends who's at the top. The culture will be toxic if your leader at the top is terrible, or it's going to be amazing if it's great. And having worked in a number of different food businesses out there, uh, yeah, it was day and night. It really depended on who was at the top. Um, 
there's, and I, I you know, without, uh, yeah, exactly. I won't name some people because I don't want a lawsuit on me. But, I mean, I work with every personality type from people who were just like, you know, what we're hearing about Harvey Weinstein um, to um, amazing people who were incredible leaders. Like this one chef of one of the Mission Star restaurants was awesome. He sat down with everyone. It didn't matter if you were the dishwasher or where you sat on the whole kitchen brigade. That's like kind of the different titles everyone has. He wanted to know how everyone was doing. He treated everyone with respect. His um, direct reports did the same. Like he ran a tight ship. He was just like some of the great leaders, you know, I've had a chance, the privilege to work with, the kind that you really want to be. Other places, yeah, not so much. I mean, the way they talked to each other was very disrespectful. Um, criminal in some cases, definitely. Um, yeah, it was like wow. unbelievable. Like I, my jaw drops some days, um, and that industry is quite fluid. Like, you know, there was one place I was at for just one week. The day one, I saw behavior that was not okay. It was completely legal. I'm thinking that something's going to happen here with this guy. I don't, I don't want any part of it, but also I don't want to be like his target. Um, it broke my heart though, how so many people will stay in a job because they need it. Um, they feel they have no options and they don't have that confidence and they don't know how to get out of it. You know, it really hit home with me seeing just how important it is. If you're in a position of a leadership role, you need to take that seriously. Now, of course, if you're a sociopath, which there was a number of, and <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, there are high concentrations everywhere you go. Um, I think you as an individual, if you're working for these people, you gotta, you gotta actually become educated on sociopaths too, <laughs> and uh, move on when you see those. But I think for me, that was something I had gained just working in my world for so long. And I had that, that advantage. Um, but uh, yeah, it was a wild ride. I mean, if you've read Anthony Bourdais' Kitchen Confidential book, it's just like that. Actually, the thing I might liken it to is having worked in oil and gas, sometimes going up north to Fort Mac. You know, the, the crude, colorful language people have. It's like yeah. a pirate ship. Uh, yeah, there were some places that <laughs> were just that like one. a pirate ship. Yeah. <laughs> so again, it, it really, um, it depends on the leader. And that was actually a really good take-home message for me I too, was that. to see it in a totally different environment. Um, so I respect that. I don't know why I just assumed it was only in a corporate world, but it doesn't matter where you are. And um, mm -hmm. I, I, yeah, I really respect great people who run a great business that supports their people, no matter what industry they're in. It's uh, things I don't want to take for granted now that I've seen all ends of that spectrum so far. I, I really, I really appreciate your comment on just the universality of, of good human behavior and good leadership. You know, leading by example isn't the best way. It's the only way kind of mindset. And you know, being on a pirate ship. <laughs> yeah, I, I, had, I, talked to, I talked to a friend of mine this weekend, former Olympian, and she um, went to fight fires up in the bush uh, mm. this summer on her path to getting experience because she wanted to be a, firefighter, a structural firefighter. And she said, Tyler, I couldn't stay there. The, 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 the things that were being spoken, the way people were being treated, I know that some careers just seem to lend more that way, but she was just like, I just couldn't expose myself to it. And I know that was part of my journey and paid my dues, but I've been around too long and seen too much to know that that was acceptable. And for some people, they don't feel, for a lot of people, they don't feel there's an option. I, I, I yeah. like what you said about, well, I got to pay my dues. And, and a lot of industries like that, where you do have to quote unquote, pay your dues, they really prey on people mm -hmm. that are at those mm -hmm. more junior levels That's because they don't have any power. And then yeah. people that are power hungry really take advantage of it. Like, I know that's not what this podcast is about, but I think it's, yeah, I think it's important. There's a lot of people maybe listening that maybe listen to an a podcast like this might give them the courage to leave an environment where they are being 
treated, you know, untoward, right? <laughs> Absolutely. It's it's no different really than what I would assume is like that whole pattern of abuse, right? If you're being not treated right, I mean, it's so easy to say that, but of I think I it's, it's just as individuals, I think we also have to look at our environment and realize, can I make it, can I make this place change? And if not, because you got to look at the personality types, right? Who's steering yep. the ship? You need to move on. So yeah, that was a really big learning for me. I mean, um, just, or maybe just to see. And I think for me, had this happened, had I been doing this, you know, this this culinary world earlier in my career, I would have been no different than you know what yeah, I saw that's, with that's, other no, colleagues. I appreciate a little wisdom and a little time, a little time yeah. under the belt makes a big yeah, difference. Yeah, like I, I can say, I'm older and wiser. Like I'm gonna play <laughs> up this gray hair here. <laughs> yeah, no, you can say, listen, I'm not gonna listen to your bullshit um, yeah. today because I don't. I know I, I know I don't have to. You mentioned earlier, you mentioned mentors and, and all the people and that you've the ingredients mm-hmm. and the collection yeah. of friends, relationships, <laughs> supporters. How much was how important was having those people in your life to kind of bounce stuff off of and check? you know, mm-hmm. Hey, am I, am I nuts? Is this a good idea? Like how much was that a big factor for you? Kind of just even being able to have the courage to not only make the transition, but then have those resources to make the idea better and better and better as it goes on. Yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's so important because when you're, you're making such a crazy change, right. Going from something, um, actually, let me just take it back. One of my early mentors in my oil and gas career, I remember he said to me once, you know, Melissa, if you're too comfortable doing what you're doing, you're not growing. It's always really good to be a little bit uncomfortable. Now, what little bit means, I think everyone has <laughs> that's, there. <laughs> that's very subjective. That's very subjective. Yeah, yeah you know, and, and I think um, that was something that was that, that always stuck with me. I'm really thankful I heard that advice early in my career. Um, and eventually when I got to the point where, you know, I, I still enjoyed what I was doing, you know, in the corporate world. But I was getting that itch, you know, when you just, there's that monkey on your back, you know, I had this idea and it's really funny you mentioned, um, you know, like the food idea, like I started creating these kits for us because I was trying to balance life and I, I, I had these skills and I was like, this isn't right. If I know how to make all of these things work, let's just figure something out. I love the problem solving. But the other thing in combination with it was being a software person, I was like, man, you know, that food industry, they're really lacking software. So I actually started building software to manage recipes, inventory, all that sort of stuff. And the idea of Gilded Spoons meal kits kind of came to me to test this software. And so I had actually been writing some software to run this business, to outsource things where it takes humans to count inventory, figure out all the recipe inventory, all that stuff. Um, And so I actually had this infrastructure I'd built um, as well as I was developing several recipes over time just for us. Like these aren't easy to make. Like you have to hit all the mark with anything that turns into this product. I mean, yes, not only does it have to be delicious, but it's also got to be like the way I've designed it, freezable, um, easy, uh, set up the chef for success. Not every recipe is easy. And I think having spent some time even in food publishing, learning how to do recipes, um, seeing how people react, really, and you know, you've just taught me so much about how to, yeah. Like it all started coming together, all these different things. And it's funny, I originally thought I was gonna launch a software Idea, which now I'm keeping for my business. Yeah. It's this proprietary. Well, I love it. Really well, that's the classic. Me. That's a classic case study of you built this amazing software, you built your business, and then you spin off another business that yeah. just sells the software down the road that you perfected it. Like I love those case studies where a company <laughs> yeah. got so good at a thing they actually realized that it was another business <laughs> or the potential to make it another. Yeah, business. it's really. 
Yeah, you know, if I could clone myself, I would just like start off up all these other little things to solve all these other problems. <laughs> well, but I guess, you know, now you're speaking you like a true so entrepreneur. The true entrepreneur. <laughs> yeah, you oh my god, the things, the, right? the, yeah. the, the ideas. Um, yeah, I love it. So yeah. you, you got this thing up and rolling. It's 18 months in yeah. since COVID. How's how's the yeah. growth? How's trajectory? Are you seeing the, the growth patterns that you were hoping for? Like, let's just get back to the nuts and bolts of this is now mm -hmm. your business. Yeah. This is now your baby, yeah. and you're growing it. And yeah. I know from your background, you're watching your numbers. You have got your forecast. How are things going? Like, what's what's mm -hmm. been the the, yeah, the, it, the trajectory so far? It's really great. Um, you know, it's been exciting to see lots of new customers. Um, an amazing return rate. Um, so far, we're seeing 75% of our customers um, are coming back within Amazing. a six-month period. Amazing. So, yeah, like, I mean, and I'm getting really good feedback. I I love connecting with people. So, you know, I'm very accessible talking directly to customers to find out what they love, what they didn't, what would make things better. Um, I think that's really important is to listen to people, right? I mean, you don't have all the answers. Um, I'm going to thank to some of my mentors too, who I, like one who I used to work for about 20 years ago, um, we reconnected. Uh, he, it's nice to bounce these off him too, just to have a sounding board about, well, what is the best solution to this challenge or that? And, um, you know, I, I, I want to give a lot of credit to to people that I, I'm able to talk to to just stay on track because there are so many moving pieces when you watch something like this. Like it keeps you up at night for sure. Um, it is another child. You basically have created, you know, I know I mentioned that before, but like you don't stop thinking about these things. And, and especially when you have stakeholders, you have people who work for you, you have, um, you want to see this succeed because you, you believe in it. Um, you've got that fire and, uh, I, you know, these are all the things I think that helped bring it together was it's one thing to have, the skills if you have them. I think knowing the right people and asking for help is another key thing. Um, and then just, yeah, you take that plunge. Um, I think when I, so this was like seven years in the making really, just as far as developing everything, thinking about it. Um, you know, actually I'll say a turning point for me in this whole adventure was, I, uh, we had some friends over for dinner one night at Christmas time, and I didn't tell them anything about this idea, um, but I made everything, like this 12-course dinner for everybody, from appetizers to dessert, and it took me just an hour, and most of it was just cooking time, because I had already made these kits, uh, and I kind of tested it out on them, and they didn't know until after, and I said, would you believe this entire meal came together in under an hour with minimal effort, um, and it all started out frozen. And it, the way the, the pin dropped in that room um, was one of the first catalysts for me to think, okay, this was a good test. This worked. Uh, those friends, since actually some of them were the ones that were, okay, we're asking me, when are you going to make this work? Like, I need to buy this now it? kind of thing. Yeah, you know, and, and, um, and then, yeah, so eventually I did, uh, I did leave my very more, much more comfortable world um, in um, oil and gas and um, doing a bunch of other things business development wise for a bunch of smaller businesses um, to use those skills as well as my passion and start up Gilded Spoon. And so, yeah, I was going to launch in 2020, um, like around February. And uh, yeah, this strange thing called the coronavirus came in <laughs> and I thought I better. Yeah, you know, and I, I'm actually it's not a big deal. I, you know, it made me just hold back for about a year and just really hone in on that business plan. Um, and then that's when I launched in 2021 and, and it was, it worked out great. And so since then, yeah, it's been really, really, um, 
exciting to see um, just the reaction from people. That's the best part. You know, and I'll get customers writing me saying, thanks so much for this. My kids got involved. They'll send me pictures, which is just adorable. Um, you know, and uh, yeah, even now there's actually a lot of one customer return, who's returning and sent me a side note to say, yeah, my, my daughters have requested all of these and they won't need anything but this. So that's good too. And, you know, people as young as, you know, one to old as 99 seem to appreciate it. So that gets me happy because I know these are what will create some really great moments for people and they're healthy um, and it saves time. Like it hits everything. So to know this is doing something really really amazing for someone else i know it's a business but the end goal is 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 working um that makes me smile that makes me really really happy i love it you want to enjoy your your bringing yeah. to people what's your favorite uh what's your <laughs> what's your favorite dish right now and i'm, I'm on your website right now guildedspoon.com <laughs> oh, yeah. guild which i encourage everyone to go there and check it out yeah and this is growing like the mm. list on here is great your mains i've had a couple of them they're amazing the sides are really blowing up here I, yeah it's about maple butternut squash was one of my favorites but what's your what's your favorite right now Oh gosh, you know that is like asking someone to pick their favorite child. I knew you were um, going to use that but... comparison too. <laughs> <laughs> well, if, oh, if, not, if, you know, if, not, um... if none of your children were listening, which one? Which one would you? Is it the Sunday paella? Because that looks really good. The vegetable oh, paella man, also looks so good. good. I don't know. Oof. Mm. Cabernet steak with polenta. yeah, you know it's funny. Every one of them has a memory I've tied to them. So oh, from nice. the paella, good answer, the, Melissa. Who's, who's Excellent. That was Spain. a test. You passed. Yeah, I. Do you know, though, the one I'm really into right now, maybe it's because it's cold weather happening in Calgary with the snow and you just, I don't know, um, and you, I, maybe you want something a little more hearty, um, is um, the, it's it's the Cabernet steak okay. that we have. Um, Cabernet steak with one, polenta, yeah, it looks and, delicious. <laughs> oh, yeah. I made this a lot in New York with, um, um, you know, in some of the high-end restaurants, which was really fun. And it's an interesting kind of meat. Not a lot of people have tried hanger steak. Um, it's like a filet mignon, but with a lot of flavor. Um, and, uh, you know, it's very popular in Europe. In fact, you go to a bistro, that's like the standard thing. And it's actually really, um, you'll see it everywhere in New York. But in Canada, I swear they, I, I, it's just something Canadians don't know about. So this is what gets me excited, is being able to introduce a completely new ingredient that someone maybe never has tried and just blow their minds. Um, and so that dish, yeah, it's... You learn a technique of pan searing, very easy. And this is another reason I get excited is because even though these are super easy, um, I know you're going to get to learn a few things and feel like a rock star in the kitchen. Um, while I sometimes say, you know, this is like having your own personal chef, it's more like I'm your private sous chef. Like my team and I have done all the heavy lifting, all the hard work, the grocery shopping, the, the chopping, the washing. And you'll see these, it's pretty compact when you get it. All you have to do is that final cook. That's the most important part. And the instructions are super easy. So, you know, with a nice like pan sear of the steak um, and you turn the, the um, you know, the, the, the sear that's still stuck on the pan, it's called the fawn, into um, a Cabernet wine and shallot reduction sauce. Um, it comes with, you know, an aged white cheddar corn polenta. So you get that carb, but these are like whole foods too. And actually, I'd say about 90% of this dish is sourced in Canada now. Um, the polenta, I found a, an amazing farmer to get that from directly. Um, we're looking to actually source some local white cheddar right now. It's aged white cheddar from the UK, which is, we have standards. I mean, things have to be really, really good quality. Um, 
but uh, yeah, I, that's mine right now. But it, it does vary. Um, just yeah, which I, as, yeah, which, as, it, as it as it should. I, no, I, you, I think my mouth, everyone's <laughs> mouth is was watering a little bit. But um, it's at gildedspoon.com. Go check it out. And just to be clear, you, I click on the photo. You've got to sign in to get access to kind of the next level, right? Like there's, it feels like there's a little bit of yeah. a gate, but ultimately that's allow people to kind of get in and then get to the behind the scenes and get into the pricing and, and ordering and all that. Correct. That's just just from a functionality UI perspective. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. When you get in, you can see, you know, what's on the menu and stuff. But yeah, if you are interested and you want to see the pricing, just a simple log and it's free and we don't spam people. Um, that's just to make sure too, when you're ready to order, you've, there's like, you know, an ability to communicate nice. with you. I love you guys are really um, clear so on communicating easy. serving costs, which I think is great. Like really helps people's head wrap mm -hmm. around it. A 12 bucks a serving or $8 a serving or however it be. I like mm -hmm. how you indicate that just because for me, it just, it's just easy math right away. Especially if you compare it to going out versus eating at home. It's very cost effective. Like that's, that's my impression when I look at these, I just went out on the weekend mm. and both everyone we're with, we're all like, wow, this just seems like it's really expensive these days. Like going out, it feels like restaurant prices have shot up. I don't know, 25, 30%. Mm -hmm. it, everything just feels mm -hmm. more. I think that's a universal truth. This feels very approachable. Again, not just a, not, not just me, uh, not just me singing your praises here, but uh, that's my impression when I kind of look through these different, different foods, the high quality and I've had them. So I know the flavor is amazing. It's really nice to hear that. I mean, I, I want people to feel special. So I don't, you know, I, I try not to say, oh, it's it's really uh, well-priced, but I believe in that. So I'm really glad you noticed that. I, I want this to be accessible to people. And I, you know, really, a lot of the costs you'll see in a restaurant, which I'm, I still think, you know, obviously support your favorite places, um, but a lot of costs do come down to a lot of labor costs. And mm -hmm. so um, economies of scale, how we've worked it out, um, you know, and, and you don't have to do much yourself. You're just doing that final cook. Um, and maybe you have a couple plates to put in the dishwasher after, but, you know, <laughs> this is stuff for It does make you feel like a rock star in the kitchen. I will take that. And you, I love that you yeah. said that because, yeah, you make this meal and you're like, oh, you plate it and it looks all amazing and it tastes great. It's it's, it's so good. And I'm going <laughs> to, yeah. we're going to share this. We're going to share this on the episode and we're going to share this out with our audience. But you've also extended to our audience specifically you know, a discount code, Tyler5, if you want to get 5% off and give you a try. So we're throwing this in here now just for anyone who's, if you're still listening at the end of this, if you hung on and listened to our story, you're dialed in and you're, and you're, you're dying to find out how you get it. We're also going to be sharing this out with our audience. So thank you for that because I also love to provide people with experiences. And I've recently, and you know, you and I connected on this as well. I've discovered through COVID, which I'm very appreciative of, the joy of cooking for people and something that I really did just to get calories in has now become this source of, of enjoyment, of a hobby, of a passion. And I discovered that salt and butter are the two single best things that has been created that for so many years I thought were bad for me, which yeah. I realized that that is not the case uh, in moderation, of course. Um, so I've fallen in love with cooking. So this is really timely that you and I kind of connected around all this. And so go to the website, get signed in, go check it out, find something, give it a try, test it. Play it safe. Order one. Try it. I trust me, you'll order more. But use Tyler Five, and you'll get five percent off your first order. And I highly encourage people. There's this, you can only talk about food for so long, and you got to eat it, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is actually making me really hungry. Hundred <laughs> percent. Um, gilded gildedspoon.com. Super easy to find you guys yeah. online. Uh, any other messages or anything you want to leave with the audience today? That was a great. Uh, I really appreciate you sharing your passions with us today. Yeah. Oh, so one thing is gilded is G-I-L-D-E-D, -E -D, oh, not G-U-I-L-D-E. -E. Yeah. One actually means, um, the G-U-I-L-D means like gilded in weaponry. Um, this is gilded with, you know, nice things like gold and jewels, the G-I-L-D. So, um, Thank you for yeah. clarifying. One of those yes, things I realized I'm... after the fact. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I yes, it was like I appreciate a, a UK versus... <laughs> 
Yeah, I didn't realize the spelling um, actually meant two different things, but um, well, you chose anyways, the right one. You like, chose the you chose the right one accurately yes. for sure. If you would have chose the yeah. other one, then you might have been like, people are going to go Whoa. on here expecting something yeah. completely different. Yeah, G I L D D gilded yeah. gildedspoon.com. Go check it out. Yeah, local amazing story. I love I love your passion and your food is your food is incredible. I'll give you I'll give you five stars and. Tell my audience you're not taking a chance by giving this a try. You're you're actually robbing yourself if you don't. <laughs> There's my sales pitch at the end. <laughs> well, I'm really glad you guys like it too, Tyler. That makes my day. It's, uh, it's amazing. Yeah, it, it, yeah, <laughs> it's mission accomplished. Is Boom. All I'll say. <laughs> thanks so much for coming on the show. Thanks for the amazing. Thanks for the bravery and and the courage it takes to start your own thing. And I love it. I think you're providing an amazing service in our city here. So thank you for that. Oh, thanks, Tyler. 